The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You may think of YouTube as a place to watch music videos, but 25% of all music streamed worldwide is streamed by YouTube, not Apple, Amazon, or Spotify. YouTube is also now the music streaming service that the music industry, from stars to labels, is united to battle. Of course, the issue is money, with music labels saying that YouTube pays less for songs than other music streaming sites and asking for a change in the federal law that protects sites like YouTube from being responsible for what users post. My guests are Cristelia Garcia, professor at the University of Colorado Boulder Law School, and Larry Miller, director of the Music Business Program at NYU. Larry, will you explain how YouTube pays to stream songs compared to other services? Sure. Under the uh, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act of 1998, uh, which was put in place uh, in order to uh, to make uh, mostly common carriers and internet service providers uh, not liable for the otherwise uh, infringing behavior of their customers who were using those networks, uh, YouTube benefited from the safe harbor provision of the DMCA, you know, some years later. And it's worth mentioning that YouTube itself is uh, is only uh, a little more than a decade old at this point. And so the law that protects uh, Internet service providers uh, from the otherwise infringing behavior behavior of its customers uh, uh, predated uh, YouTube by a, uh, a number of years. And so YouTube and a number of, uh, of other uh, streaming businesses that, that rely on the D- DMCA to be able to uh, uh, immunize them from, uh, from infringement claims uh, are, are able to benefit Benefit in a in a very direct way uh, uh, from the uh, from the from the DMCA and uh, and the record companies and music publishers who own the rights in the music that's being streamed uh, are not happy about the gap between the amount of value that uh, YouTube gets from uh, from the ads that they run and the amount that they share with those companies. Christelia, so does YouTube have the upper hand in the negotiations with music labels, or is there anything that the music labels can do? Um, that's a great question, uh, and and the answer is uh, they do have an upper hand uh, for many of the reasons that Larry explained, um, predominantly being that YouTube qualifies as a, quote, service provider under the DMCA's safe harbor, meaning that they can take advantage of this, you know, what some are calling a loophole uh, that allows them to be exempt from infringing content that's uploaded by their users, giving YouTube, when it goes to the negotiation table, right, uh, a starting baseline of zero. 
Um, that is to say that uh, both parties, the record labels or content owners and YouTube, know that whether YouTube licenses the content at some agreed upon rate or not, the content will be made available because their users will continue to upload it. And in order to take advantage of the safe harbor, all YouTube need do is respond to uh, takedown notices by removing the content. Uh, notably and importantly, uh, the law does not have any requirement for YouTube to make affirmative determinations as to the legal status of any of the content uploaded by their users, nor is the takedown procedure required to prevent upload of the same. So in other words, both parties know coming to the negotiation table that the content will be there either way, uh, giving YouTube an upper hand um, in, in the negotiations in that way. Uh, that said, the, the content owners, record labels um, in this case, uh, do have uh, you know, litigation, of course, uh, as, a, as a threat. Um, if they can claim that this is not being done in good faith, they can try to make some arguments around whether YouTube should have known that these things were happening. I think the more interesting argument is as YouTube moves into the paid subscription space with its YouTube Music and YouTube Red, uh, as I believe they're calling it, um, sort of the the potential for um, not only the record labels to get in on sort of the, the litigation uh, piece of this, but perhaps the potential competitors like Spotify to say that this is giving uh, YouTube a, a competitive advantage, uh, an unfair competitive advantage. Larry, Warner Music Group did sign a new licensing deal with YouTube. Does that mean it basically caved? Well, I wouldn't say that they caved, but I would say that uh, all three of the major music companies, and there are uh, only three major music companies left in this highly consolidated space, and they are Warner Music Group, Sony, and Universal, that that all three YouTube licensing deals were set to expire at around the same time. And so uh, the Warner deal was apparently finished first. Uh, I understand that Universal and Sony are still in negotiation uh, regarding the uh, uh, the terms around their next licensing deal. So I I wouldn't say that they caved necessarily any more than uh, than any other company that writes a license with YouTube will, knowing fully well that uh, that YouTube is able to benefit from the from the safe harbor. And if I can just if sure. I can just make you know, make one other point here that. Uh, uh, YouTube is responsible for a just a gigantic amount of video consumption in the world. Uh, that should really go without saying, you know. But that when it comes to music streaming, uh, YouTube is responsible for about a quarter of all of the music that's streamed. But that the uh, the Spotify's and the Apple Music's of the world need to license directly uh, and uh, and pay uh, quite a lot more than uh, than YouTube does for their licenses with uh, record companies and music publishers. Christelia, the music industry has been asking for a change in the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Is that likely and are there dangers with that? Right. Um 
likely, uh, I, I think it's likely that we will get some adjustments to the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which we often call the DNCA. And one of the reasons, is, as Larry noted, that this was, you know, uh, passed in 1988 and enacted in 1999. So things have changed dramatically since the time that it was passed. And it would be uh, expected that as we are moving into uh, what the former Register of Copyrights is calling the next great copyright act, right, that Congress is actively considering an amendment uh, or an amended uh, copyright act, that we would see um, a lot of changes to account for the changes in technology and the changes in consumer behavior. Um, whether or not they would get rid of the safe harbor altogether, I, I think I would be highly surprised if that happened, um, because there are a lot of concerns with getting rid of it altogether, right? This uh, this question of the value gap uh, between services like YouTube and services like Spotify um, can be quantified and dealt with, but that's only one of the parties that take advantage of this. Um, if YouTube could not uh, take advantage of the safe harbor at all, if we did away with safe harbors altogether, um, it would cripple the service, um, not just YouTube, which we may say, well, that's just one business, but the, the concept of having these uh, shared services where users can go on and post videos to share with their families and this sort of thing. So there are other non- I'm going to have to, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there. That's Cristelia Garcia, professor at the University of Colorado Boulder Law School and Larry Miller, director of the music business program at NYU. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. Thanks to our producer, David Sutcherman, and our technical director, Charlie Vollmer. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.